great event to invite them to join you right here this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. Um, please remember the words that uh, Steve shared during his prayer for the people of Japan. Just a devastating video. Uh, I could not believe my eyes. I was in Indianapolis this weekend, and uh, I found out about 8 o'clock Friday morning. I just I, I couldn't believe what I was watching happen. And um, so many lives lost, so many lives impacted. Please keep those individuals in your prayer. Next week is Youth Sunday at FCC. I won't be preaching, and many of you are going all right. And Adam Brecker will be preaching, and our youth are going to be involved in the services. It's going to be a great time. Austin Gunn's going to be leading worship. It is going to be a blessing. So please come out and support Adam and our young people. And then one final announcement that is not on my slides, but today's a very special day for my wife. It is her birthday. She's kind of looking at me like, why are you saying that? But um, happy birthday to my wife, who I love very much, who's a wonderful wife and mother. Um, She wouldn't want me to tell you how old she is, but I will tell you that we celebrated her 40th birthday two years ago. So... But I won't tell you how old she is, so I'll let you know that. But happy birthday, Marla. B90X continues, and uh, we've been through the Old Testament. Uh, 39 books of the Old Testament are in the book. For those of you that are reading with us, today is day 70, believe it or not. Friday, we uh, finished the Old Testament, started into the New Testament, and the last three days we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew. This next week, week 11, is going to be all about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you have not been reading up to this point, I want to just challenge you to join us for the final 18, 19 days of our reading together and pick it up with the New Testament. Just dive in, read uh, you know, for about 40, 45 minutes each day. You will be blessed as you read through the New Testament. And of course, next week, um, Adam is preaching. The sermons are up online. Please check out the blog. Mike Bro is one of my favorite preachers, period. I first heard him when I think I was in junior high, and he's always kind of been someone that I look up to as a preacher in many ways. And he tells an illustration that just grabbed me this week as I was preparing for this message. He, he tells the story of going to a restaurant. He calls it a pseudo steakhouse kind of place where you pay at the front, and then you go and you get your salad, and they bring you a plate, and it's supposed to be steak that they bring to your table. And he says he was there with his family, and Um, A a young teenage girl was working in the restaurant, and one of the things that they have to do at the salad bar is keep refilling the the salad dressing, and she had a five-gallon bucket of Thousand Island dressing. And as she was walking, she caught her heel, and she launched this five-gallon bucket of Thousand Island dressing, and it landed right on a guy in a suit. And she said this guy just exploded, and he started screaming at her, "'You are so stupid!' What is your problem? He says, this is a $350 suit, and this is the first time that I've had a chance to wear it, and now Thousand Island salad dressing is dripping from it. What is your problem? And the little girl started to cry, and when she cried, he got even more mad, and before long, a manager-type individual shows up, and he says, is there a problem? And the guy looks at him and says, is there a problem? Look at me! He says, this is a brand new suit. This is the first time I've worn it. You owe me a new suit. And the manager says, well, you know what? We'd be glad to get it cleaned for you. I've got a change of clothes in the back. And he says, I don't want a a clean suit. I want a new suit. Someone is going to pay $350 and buy me a new suit. And Mike says that before long, the manager and the guy in the salad dressing 
you know, head off to the office, and he said that he just assumes the check was written out and justice was done. Now, the interesting part of this story is that it happened about 1 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Why in the world would anyone be wearing a suit at 1 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon? I don't know. Maybe he just came from hearing a great sermon on loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we laugh about that, but do you know that people in the food industry will tell you that the very worst people to wait on are people who just got out of church on Sunday morning? And I have to tell you, my friends, that's tragic. It's tragic because I'm called to be different. You're called to be different. You're called to be different in restaurants. We're called to be different on the baseball field. We're called to be different on the golf course. We're called to be different in the classroom. We're called to be different in the office. The very first sermon Jesus ever preached might be his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain. And he starts the Sermon on the Mountain with eight attitudes, eight beatitudes. And we're going to try to cover them this morning in record time. I know some of you say, don't fly. We're going to be flying this morning. But as we do it, I've brought a prop for you today. And here's the prop right here. It's a ladder. Some of you thought Adam had lost his mind. I told him to do that. But as we go through these eight Beatitudes, I want this idea to resonate through your mind. Christ followers are called to be different, and different is good. Different is good. Like rungs on a ladder, we're going to study what Jesus started his most famous sermon of all with, the eight Beatitudes. So I'm going to have us do something we never do at FCC anymore. And it might be a little weird for some of you, it might be a little uncomfortable for you, but I'm going to ask you all to stand up with me, and I'm going to ask you to read with me on the screen these eight Beatitudes. I'll lead us as we read together. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Bless, oh my, there you go. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, and you may be seated. And so I ask you a question this morning. Which rung are you on? As we look at these eight Beatitudes, I want you to do kind of a spiritual life assessment. And I want you to try to figure out which rung are you on. We're going to look at them, one through eight. Number one, poor in spirit. Jesus said in verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of heaven. And the picture that I want to give you is the picture of someone that is experiencing what I'm going to call spiritual bankruptcy. Now let's take that word bankruptcy. That's not a pleasant word. That's not a fun word. Some of us have lived through that. Maybe you've experienced that. Um, I have a friend in my life right now that for 15 months has been trying to avoid it, lives in another state. That's coming down the highway for him. 
He's exhausted every other option and opportunity, and bankruptcy is where he's going to have to go. He has nowhere else to go. He has no other option. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you realize you can't do it on your own. You can't play the the religion game for another year or another month or another week or another, another day or even another hour. You need the Lord. You're so broken, you have to lean on the Lord. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rung number two. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. I'm a basketball fan. Some of you are, some of you are not. And for those of you that are not, there's a couple illustrations today you're going to probably hate. You know, I'm the preacher, deal with it. I'm sorry about that. But um, the Chicago Bulls are doing really good this year. But in in the summertime, there was a big uh, buzz going around. Three prime free agents. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh made the decision not to go to three different teams, but to pool their resources and go and play together for the Miami Heat. And all the experts with the NBA said they're going to be the greatest team ever. They're going to win championship after championship after championship. And a funny thing has happened this year. Every time the Chicago Bulls have played the Miami Heat, the Bulls have beat them. And the experts are are befuddled. They can't figure it out. Well, last Sunday, right after we got done with church, their third and final game of the year started. And the Heat led for a while, but the Bulls won at the end. And the Miami Heat coach came to the podium in the postgame. Anybody remember what he said? He said, my team is so upset. Some of them are in the locker room right now. And they're crying. He said, they're crying. And I mean, I laughed out loud. That's bad, I know. But I laughed out loud when I heard that. A guy making $25 million a year is crying over losing a regular season basketball game. But catch this. Jesus says, you're blessed if you get heartbroken to the point tears come about. Not not over basketball games. But he said, blessed are you when you realize you're broken spiritually. When you realize you're spiritually bankrupt, blessed are you. And guess what, Jesus says, you will be comforted. The picture that I want you to see this morning is this. I'm so sorry for falling short of the mark. I'm so sorry for the mistakes that I have made. I'm going to guess this morning that there are many people who are sitting listening to this sermon today and Jesus is the Lord of your life you made a decision to be a Christ follower and you have never experienced the time when you were so broken over your sin that it led you to weep it led you to mourn it led you to say I can't believe what a knucklehead I am I can't believe the mistakes I continue to make and yet Jesus said you're blessed if you mourn and you will be comforted. Number three, the meek. And, and, and with this, I guess I need to kind of define what that means. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the whole earth. Who do we think of when we think of somebody that's meek? The person that comes to my mind is Barney Fife. I think of Barney Fife, kind of a goober, kind of a goofball, you know, Mr. One Bullet. I mean, just you look at him and you just think of that's somebody that's meek. But that's not what the first century meaning of this word meant at all. Not even close. In the first century world, this word meek was used to describe people that would 
train a wild horse, they would bridle an out-of-control horse. A powerful, strong horse was reined in. And people were then able to ride them. And they were then able to be used in a positive and productive way. And I think what Jesus is trying to say here is focused strength and power. Under control instead of out of control. Where, where are you on rung number three? When that word meek comes around, how well does that describe you? I, I was in Indy this weekend for the Big Ten tournament, and I was able to have a, a great seat. I was able to sit right behind one of the team's benches for every game that I went to. And one of the things that I did when I wasn't watching Illinois lose is that I would watch the, the coach that was right in front of me, and I kind of watched the coach more than I watched the game a lot of the time. And I'll tell you, there's some coaches that are just very calm, cool, and collected. And then there's some that, man, they were just spazzes. They were just wild men. Um, I don't want to name them by name, but Indiana's coach was just out of control. Tom Crean, oh, whoops, I did it. He was all over the place. Imagine Ernie Harvey as a basketball coach. And that, I mean, he's there, and he's here, and he's up. And, he, and I was sweating when the game was over from just sitting and watching him. I couldn't believe it. And I thought, man, that's a wild man right there. Spiritually, how would you describe yourself? Under control or out of control? Do do you see the kingdom and the church and our church through kingdom lenses? Under control? Or does every little thing fire you up? When something new comes around, you, you think thoughts like, we've never done that before. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Where where are you at? Do you have a focused strength and power, or do you find yourself out of control? Rung number four, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And, And the picture here is hungry and thirsty for the Lord. Hungry and thirsty for the Lord. Last summer, I did something that was not very wise. Um, and I guess I'm kind of confessing this to you today, but it was one of the days where the, the temperature got up into the mid to high 90s, and it was the middle part of the day, the hottest part of the day, and I wanted to get a, a bike ride in. I told my wife I was going to do it, and she's like, yeah, that's just a stupid thing. Don't do it. Don't do it, and I did it anyway, and I thought I had everything. I had my helmet, my gloves, and you know the, the mace spray for the dogs that chase you. I've only been able to use that a couple times, but I, I'm ready to go, and I, I get about eight miles, nine miles out. I mean, I'm literally in the middle of nowhere. I'm in places in Logan County you didn't even know existed, and I didn't know exist, and I realized I forgot to grab my 20-ounce bottle of Gatorade. It's sitting on my car in the garage. I grabbed it, but I'd set it on the hood and took off. And I'll tell you, at that point, I was dying, absolutely dying. So I turn around about the nine-and-a-half-mile mark and start heading for home, but I've got another nine-and-a-half miles. And I'm way too much of a man to call my wife and say, come pick me up or bring me the Gatorade. And I'll tell you, a couple times I had to stop and sit in the shade for a couple moments because I really thought I was going to pass out. When I was able to finally get to my house and I went into the, to the refrigerator and got a cold bottle of Gatorade, I chugged that Gatorade, I bet, in 30 seconds. And before long, I was on to bottle number two. I have never in my life enjoyed a drink as much as I did at that moment in time. Because when you're in the heat of the moment, anything would do at that point. Anything would do. And that's the hunger and the thirst for the Lord that is being painted for us here by Jesus. Jesus says, don't don't hunger for mere food that you can eat. 
or mere water that you can drink. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2. Taste that the Lord is good. He says, crave the pure spiritual milk now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, we're halfway home. Halfway home, and it's uh, not even 10 till yet. You're doing great. So here's what I want you to see about rungs 1 through 4, Beatitudes 1 through 4. They all deal with the Christ follower's heart. Or another way of saying that, who you are on the inside, who you are in here. Jesus doesn't stop, however. Jesus moves on, and what I want you to see with rungs 5 through 8, I went too fast there, is that they deal with who you are on the outside your actions as a Christ follower. Well, rung number five says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That word mercy is thrown around a lot. If you go to court and someone's facing the judge, there's a very good chance that they might say, I plead for mercy. I know I've done things, especially if they're pleading guilty, I know I've, things, I, I've done things I should not have done, but I stand before you and I plead for mercy. What's that have to do with you and with me and our actions and our behaviors? I believe the picture I want to give you is loving the unlovely. Loving the unlovely. I love Little Galilee Camp, and many of you love Little Galilee Camp with me. In the mid-1990s, from 94 to 97, I led a week of tween camp. They don't even have that anymore, but that was a camp specifically for students going into ninth grade. And it was a fun age, and Marla and I led it together. We started before we had Jordan. It was just a great time. But one of the things about tween camp that had been a tradition that I agreed to carry on that I just, I don't really know a nice way to say it, I hated it with a white-hot passion, was the Thursday evening all-camp talent show, okay? And the reason that I think I, I didn't like it is because there was rarely very little talent that would arrive at 8 o'clock on Thursday evening. And some of you who have been a part of a camp like that know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's people that mean well, and you know they want to use their talent for the Lord, even though they're not really fully developed at that point. It's just kind of two hours of, of torture in many ways. And I finally drew a line in the sand one year. We're not doing it anymore. We're not going to listen to a bunch of special music that's not very special. And my faculty became very frustrated with me. And one faculty member in particular, someone that had the gift of knowing everything, shared with me just, you got to do it. You've got to do it. And started rattling off soon-to-be high school students that were planning on doing something that night. And after a while, I reluctantly gave in and Um, My sarcasm and cynicism and skepticism and frustration reached a peak when a young lady got up and put Michael W. Smith's tape, Friends Are Friends Forever, into the boombox and attempted to sing that song. Now, that's a song that I had heard about a hundred too many times already in my lifetime up to that point. And I just had a bad attitude. I sat on the back row thinking, I can't wait to go fishing tomorrow night when camp is over. And, And it was bad. She forgot the words. She wasn't on tune. But a really cool thing happened about two-thirds of the way through the song. A young man who I would call one of the shining stars of the camp. He was an athlete. He was good-looking. Everyone wanted to go to campfire with him. I mean, that type of a kid, okay? That type of a young man jumps up 
and starts kind of doing the, you know, the Bob Dylan, uh, we're going to wave our hands in the, in the, the sky thing, singing the song. And before long, we have an entire camp. This is the old chapel at Little Galilee. And they're all singing together, friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. And I'll tell you something, at that moment, I realized my mercy meter was running on empty. And I realized at that point I'd been shamed by an eighth grader. And, and I think that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. When someone might deserve a kick in the rear or a smack in the head, blessed are the merciful, and they're going to receive mercy. Rung number five. Rung number six, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. The word picture I want to give you is this. What you see is what you get. If we were to survey 100 non-Christians in our town today, and we were to just say anonymously speak to us about the biggest frustrations you have with Christians, I can almost guarantee you the number one answer would be what I see is not what I get. I, I hear about someone that loves the Lord with all their heart, and they're just an awful neighbor. Or they act like a total idiot at a basketball game. Or, or they go bananas in a restaurant. And when I see them, I don't see Christ. And I, I just, I want to lay it on the line. I'm as guilty as anyone. We have to be the kind of person that doesn't just say it with our mouth, but lives it with our life. What you see is what you get. There's no such thing as a Sunday morning Christian and a Monday morning Christian. You should be the same at 8.15 on Tuesday as you are at 8.15 on Sunday. You should be the same at 11 o'clock on Friday as you are at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I, the picture that I want to give you here is the picture of a, a thermostat. And some of you are cold, I can tell right now, but if you had your way, what would you do? You would turn the thermostat up, right? Now, I'm sweating, so I might turn it down in many ways, but the thermostat is an incredible invention because all you've got to do is just push a couple buttons or move the little dial, and guess what's going to happen? The whole temperature in the room is going to adjust. Everything is going to change. And we're called to be the kind of people that positively change the temperature in the room. I have a great friend in ministry. And he is a temperature changer in my life. When I am fired up, when I am frustrated, when I am angry and I call him, I never hear on the other end of the phone, boy, you're right. You ought to be fired up. Give it to him. Let him have it. He's always trying to calm me down. He's always trying to say, you know, it's probably not that big of a deal. It's probably not anything you need to lose any sleep over. Maybe you just need to step back a little bit and relax. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who change the temperature in the room. And then finally, the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How far are you willing to go with your faith? We studied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week, and then we talked about all kinds of people that gave it all, sacrificed it all, for the sake of the cross. People like Peter and Paul and Stephen and Polycarp. We talked about World War II heroes like Martin Niemuller and Diedrich Bonhoeffer and Corey Tinboom. And you realize right now, today, there are people in this world that will be persecuted physically for their faith. And so the picture that I paint for you today is are you willing 
to take one for the Lord. How, how far are you willing to go with your faith? I have a, um, a great ministry friend by the name of Jeff Mayfield. And he shared with me a prayer that he shares whenever he has the opportunity to go and be a, best speak, a guest speaker somewhere. And he actually shared it with us at the Area Men's Fellowship about four years ago when he came here. It's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And it's written by a Zimbabwe preacher facing persecution. And here are his words. Listen to these. He says, I am a part of a fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My my present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished, and I'm done with low living, sidewalking, small playing, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame divisions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotion or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience. I live by prayer. I labor by power. My faith is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few, but my God is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes. I must give till I drop. I must preach till all know, and I must work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me because my banner will be clear. And my friends, that is my hope for you. That that's the prayer of your life. That this isn't just a nice, cute sermon with a funny illustration and a ladder on the stage. But as you leave today, you can answer that question. How does your character as a Christ follower communicate your faith? Jesus, right after he finished the Beatitudes, gave us a great word picture that should be with us every day of our lives. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. And so the guy stood there with Thousand Island dressing, dripping off his forehead, off his chin, all over a suit that had been ruined by someone's stupid mistake. You know, there was another guy who stood there one day. He had blood running down his forehead, off his chin, all over his robe. And it wasn't ruined by accident. It was on purpose. Jesus paid the price for Greg Taylor's stupid mistakes. And Jesus paid the price for your mistakes as well. Why? 
Because Jesus was different. And my friends, different is good. We are called to be different. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for the blessings that you pour down on us. And Father, like rungs on a ladder, help us to never settle for the floor. Help us never to settle for being average. Help us to always strive to be different. Help us to always strive to be better. Thank you for Jesus, your son, and for just an awesome first sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. Eight great pictures that, that he painted for us. And help us to realize we're not playing a game. We're not part of some club. We're called to change our world. Give us chances today, maybe even as we go to a restaurant in 15 minutes, to be light, to be salt, to encourage those that need encouraging, to be a blessing to those who struggle. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.